0: My darling, but Pastor Darling to you. Mm. God bless Pastor Darling. Thank you, Wonder Man. So great to be with all of you today. Isn't God good? We made it through 2020 almost. And God is still on the throne and God is doing amazing things. As as I begin, I feel like I feel like God wants to speak to some of you. And there is there is um, there is at least one person here, a lady who's been going through a a very tough time that y- you ha- you've had, almost four years of difficulties, and God is calling out to you and saying it is time for courage. If that's you, won't won't you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. If that you know God is saying that it's a season of courage for you that you need you need courage in the next moment. Sorry if I put you on the spot. Fantastic, thank you. I hear. I he- is there anyone else that? Okay. I just, I just hear the Lord saying this, that that um, your your labor over the last four years has not been in vain. That very often you look at the road you walked and you think, God, nothing has changed. But I hear the Lord saying this, that everything has changed. For I have been at work in response to every single one of your prayers. I have been working in your situation in ways that you cannot fathom and see if I won't crack things open, see if I won't make a way. I hear him saying there is need, there is need for you for great courage, for there will be a season coming where you will need to press into the things of God with great determination, that you will need to ignore the wind and the waves around you, and you will need to focus wholeheartedly on what God is calling you to. But, my daughter, know this, that as you do that, I will work, to bring about a transformation that will stun your heart and will leave you breathless with the glory of who I am. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I feel like, I feel like someone here has a cousin who has been going through some kind of uh, abuse, some kind of neglect, some kind of difficulty. And I hear the Lord saying this to you, that there that he has seen the plight, and he has seen your prayers, and he is saying that I am at work on behalf of this person. I am at work to bring about a deliverance in this person's life, that there is, there is something happening in that person's life that is changing the way they see their self and is changing the way they see their environment. And I hear the Lord saying, you will see this person rise up in strength and might in a very short time. I hear the Lord saying, be strong and courageous with that person. Speak the word of the Lord to them for they are ready to hear what you have to say. Amen and amen. God bless you. I want to I want to begin our Christmas series mainly because that's what we decided to do. We are beginning our Christmas series. It seems like a really great time right before Christmas to start talking about Christmas. Lord, I pray that as we begin to share around the word, that your grace would be upon us to hear what you need to say, to hear what you are saying to our hearts. Lord God, I pray that it would be more than just words, but it would be a revelation, a download of the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen, so many people think that Christmas is, (laughs) my friends, those of you on the video, one of our band members has left their phone, and it is just switched on behind us, so we're just going to deal with that, hang on, for one moment, Oh, it's the video playing. Okay, okay, we got it. Um, okay, we w- back on track. You would be, you would be forgiven if you were thinking that Christmas was a celebration of the birth of a baby two thousand years ago. You would be forgiven in thinking that Christmas is a celebration of a man, a fat man with a white beard and a big suit and lots of gifts. You would be forgiven of thinking that if you looked around what's happening in our culture, but that is not primarily what Christmas is. Christmas is a celebration of the day that God stepped down and came to live amongst us. Christmas is a celebration of the moment where all of the wisdom of heaven, all of the truth of God, all of the righteousness and power and glory and love that is God, came down in human form and is accessible to us through Jesus Christ. That is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that God split the sky, stepped down, and came to be amongst us. We are celebrating the moment that the Word became flesh, that the communication of God to all of us became a physical being that we could hear with our ears, that we could see with our eyes, that we could say God is with us. That is what we are celebrating today, not today, over the season. This is what we are celebrating, the moment when God stepped down. Many of you have heard the stories of how Jesus was born and how he was in a manger in in an area where animals were kept and how how the wise men came and how the shepherds came you've heard all that all that but i want i want to take a different angle this morning if that's okay i want to talk to you about the way that the apostle john introduces the birth of jesus if you have your bibles you can turn with me to john 1 from verse 1 to 4 John says this, when he was introducing Jesus to the world at the beginning of his gospel, he says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is the beauty of what Christmas is is that God stepped down, the word, the full communication of God became accessible to us. God stepped down and made his word known through a man. Jesus Christ, 100% human, but also 100% God, began to speak out of his very being the life and the blessings of God. Jesus, Jesus' words were not just words, they were an expression of life. He was exuding in his words something more than just spoken noise. He was exuding the truth of who God is. Yes. Jesus said beautiful things. Yes. Jesus said impossible things. And Jesus said terrifying things. But as the word of God, he brought all of the counsel of God to us. Some time back, I was in an exclusive books, and I was just looking through the books and seeing what there was, and I came across some Hindu texts, some Hindu writings, some Hindu religious writings. And being interested in such things, I began to page through them. And I want to be honest with you, there were some nice things in there. You know, there were some sayings that I thought those are good things to live by. You know, that, that's not harmful. It's not terrible but there was something missing. When I read the Bible, something else happens to me. When I read the words of Jesus, something else happens. It's like life explodes on my inside. It's like I feel a connection with God that certainly that Hindu book was not giving me. I have read portions of the Quran, not the whole thing, but I've read portions of it in English, and I have you know, there's some things also in there that are, that are good. There are some things I completely disagree with. But, you know, there, it has some moments where, yes, those are good things to live by. But the same things applies. When I read the Quran, I, I feel, I feel a way to self-improve myself. But when I read the Bible, I feel God's life spurring on in my heart. Maybe you love the things that Jesus says. Maybe you are confused by the things Jesus says. Maybe you hate the things Jesus said, sometimes. But the one thing you can't do with the things that Jesus said is you cannot be unmoved and unchanged. You cannot be unaffected by what he said, because when Jesus spoke, he was not doing more than speaking out words. He was releasing the life and the blessing of God. He said this in John 6, verse 63. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. 2,000 years ago, a man stood on the hills of Galilee. And he spoke us back to life. 2,000 years, Jesus Christ stepped down into our world. And he spoke the words that would lead you to live again. Jesus said beautiful things. Jesus said impossible things. And Jesus said terrifying things. But all of these lead us to a life that our soul has always craved. I want to speak about beautiful things that he said, impossible things that he said, and terrifying things that he said. I'm going to start with the terrifying, is that okay? So that we can end with the beautiful. So one of the terrifying things that Jesus said, in Matthew 10 verse 28, he says this, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We all take a deep breath contrary to what the world thinks this this scripture implies that God is master of your life this scripture implies that God is in charge of not only your physical being but your soul as well and it implies that God is able to do with you and all of you as he pleases if that is not terrifying I don't know what is Are you all feeling suitably terrified? I think I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again because it's so pertinent. when When my children were young, my one son, Joshua, the one who's just gotten married, he was addicted to Legos, made Lego toys all the time. And he would ignore the instructions on the boxes and he would just make his own things, invent his own toys. And he would make the most spectacular spaceships. He would fly them across the room in his hand and bomb imaginary cities and blow up imaginary planets. And, you know, he just had a blast. And one day I wanted to be a good mom. I always wanted to be a good mom, but this particular time, I was especially determined. And I sat down with him, and I said, Josh, can I play Legos with you? He was absolutely delighted. He handed me one of his creations and said, you, you have this one, mom. So I did what I always see him do. I, pick, I picked it up, and I flew through the air, and I made bombing noises, and I wiped out planets, and I was doing it with my whole heart. And he turned to me, and he said this, Mom... Horrified look on his face. Mom, mom, stop. I was like, what? That one doesn't fly. That one goes under the ground and comes up under the cities and bombs them from underneath. (laughs) I know, I know, boys. But you know what? What? That's how I played it from then on. I dug under and I came up under cities and I bombed them from underneath. Why? Because he made it, he can define it. If if God made you, he can define you. If he made this world, he can define this world. He's the creator of all. He gets to define everything. And if you are separated from God, if you are antagonistic from God, if you're away from God, that's a terrifying thought indeed. But the glory of who Jesus is is that he made a way for us to be on the same side as God. And then that's an empowering, glorious, amazing truth. But imagine for me with me for a moment that you were far away from God, that you didn't know God. How how Does this terrifying verse bring you to God? It leaves you at a distance. It says that there's this God who who can judge you, who who can determine where you go and what you do. How do we resolve this barrier, this gulf between us and this glorious, powerful God who made everything and can define everything? Well, there's another terrifying verse, another terrifying statement that Jesus said. Just in case you weren't terrified before, I'm just going to really make you terrified. Thank you. He said in John 6, verse 53, he says this. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. (laughs) I know it's in the Bible. It's really there. Crazy as it is. Unless you drink, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now you must remember, at this moment he was speaking to Jewish people. Jewish people, part of their law was that they were not allowed to drink blood. They were not, when they slaughtered an animal, they had to drain every last bit of blood before they could eat that meat. He's speaking to Jewish people and he's saying, you're going to drink my blood. Go read the story. John 6, they left him in droves. The Jewish people said, I'm sorry. If you're going to talk like this, if you're going to say these kind of things, we are out of here. We loved it when you were healing the sick. We loved it when you were giving all-you-can-eat dinners on mountainsides. We loved the moments when you were walking on water. We loved the power demonstrations and the glory that was coming. But when you say these things, we can't be with you. And they walked away in droves. Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? They said a profound thing. They said, where would we go? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. They were implying something that even these terrifying, confusing things that are hard to understand, it were in fact leading them in some way to the life that they longed for. And when we read these confusing and terrifying things in the Bible, which you will read from time to time, we have, t- we have to position ourselves as the disciples did in that moment. Though I don't understand it, this too must lead me to your life. Now I'm going to explain it to you, praise the Lord, I'm going to explain it, at least. What I know of it, perhaps there's more. But what Jesus was alluding to here, we know he didn't, didn't expect his disciples to drink his blood because they never did. So we know he wasn't talking literally, and you know that we put grape juice in our little, little cups. So we don't expect anyone in Christianity today to drink Jesus' blood. Are you all relieved? You can all stay. (laughs) But he was alluding to something. He was alluding to the concept of blood covenant. The Old Testament concept of blood covenant, that in order for you to be made right, to become one with another person, there had to be a covenant forged between you and them in which an animal was killed and blood was spilt. So in essence, what Jesus was saying is, I am going to be that animal. I am going to be that one that will die as a blood covenant to bring you back to the presence of God. This very powerful, holy God that has power over your life, that to some degree you are in opposition to. I have made a way for you to be brought back into that relationship through a blood covenant that I will make through my own physical body. And what did Jesus say in Mark 14? He said this, as they were eating, this is just before he went to be crucified, the last supper it's very commonly known as. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you. And this You eat of my flesh or drink of my blood, you have no life in you. Terrifying things that lead us to life. That there was a sacrifice made that we must partake in in order to have life. So let's look at perhaps some, some impossible thing that Jesus said. He said this in Matthew five twenty. for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now these were the scribes and the Pharisees, as Andrew will tell you often, the, scribe, the scabs and the parasites, the scribes and the Pharisees. These were the elite of the religious community of Israel. These were the people who did everything right. They made up laws to add to the laws that God gave them. They they were the epitome of righteousness at that time. And Jesus said to his people, unless your righteousness exceeds this, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Impossible standard. An absolutely impossible standard. This is like, if I can put it into modern day language, will you be okay with that? Let's talk modern day language. This is if someone comes to you and says, in order to, to live a successful life, you must compete in the Monaco Grand Prix against Lewis Hamilton in his beautiful Mercedes, you must be in your 2005 Ford Focus <laughs> with no engine. This is the only way to succeed in life. That's basically what he was telling his disciples. Initial righteousness exceeds, scribes and the Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you could beat Lewis Hamilton in the Monaco Grand Prix in your 2005 Ford Focus with no engine, sorry, you're done for. How does it make you feel? <laughs> it's like there is no way. There is no way. You see, you see, like I told you about when I read parts of the Quran, is most of religions today are telling you how to self-improve. They're an exercise in self-improvement. But I want to tell you this. No matter how beautifully you painted those speeding stripes down the side of your Ford focus, no matter how beautiful or uh, glamorous or marked with... Brad names your overalls were when you climbed into that fo- Ford Focus, no matter how well you did your hair, no matter how well you brushed your teeth, no matter how you could recite the car owner's manual for that 2005 Ford Focus, you are not winning that Grand Prix. The, this, I- this is what life is like. Jesus is basically saying there is no way in your own effort by improving your life to actually win and he meant it. You know, people try to soften some of these things that Jesus said. There's a very famous, another impossible thing he said. He said, unless it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Have you heard that? Does it make you tremble in your boots? Because you want to be rich. I know you. (laughs) And it's like, but I also want to go to heaven. How do I get through that darn eye of the needle? How do I do it? You see, God, Jesus, Jesus wasn't trying to make it easy for you. Yeah. Because I've heard many people preach, oh, there was this gate in the wall of J- Jerusalem that was called the eye of the needle. You had to bend very low, but you could get through it. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Have any of you heard that urban legend? Yeah. I'm here to tell you it's not true. There was, no wall, there was no gate in the wall of Jerusalem called the eye of the needle Jesus meant exactly what he said. I'm so sorry. You can't can't soup up your car. You can't soup up your life. You can't make it better to somehow get in. He went on, luckily, in that portion of Scripture and said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Because he was going to go through the eye of your needle on your behalf. He was going to be destroyed, dismantled, made into powder, and pushed through the iron needle so that he could get on the other side and I said, and say, I went through as Reba. I went through as Andrew. I went through as Ilza. I went through on your behalf. Now you're in. Now you're in. You see, the problem with humanity is not so much that we just haven't tried hard enough. The problem with humanity is that we're broken. So we left our engine behind. So it doesn't matter how hard you clean yourself up. It's not going to work. Someone has to go on your behalf. And Jesus in John 3 said two remarkable things that help us solve the impossibility of the other things that he said. He said this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What's he saying? You've got to bring your car in for an overhaul, and you need a new engine. What you have is not getting you anywhere. What's he saying? I surrender. We sang that song. It's saying... I actually have to say that my car is not good enough, my life is not good enough, I'm not able, my racing stripes aren't getting me anywhere. I need to bring my life in and say, Jesus, make it new. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I surrender. That's what it means to be born again. When Jesus created mankind, it says, he breathed into him and he became a living being. You live because of the breath of God inside of you. When man turned away from God, we lost our engine, which is the breath of God. God breathed out in in compliance with our desire for autonomy, in compliance with our desire to go it alone, to make it on our own. He said, okay, have the best shot. And at some stage... All of us must come to Jesus Christ and we must ask him to breathe in again. We must admit that all our best efforts have got us nowhere and that we don't need to try harder. We need to be made new. We need to be recreated. We need to be born again. We need to surrender all we are to get a new life that Jesus Christ has already lived on our behalf. I hope you're feeling happy. Is the impossible seeming somewhat possible? Is the impossibility of what he's saying leading you to life? Leading you to life. So Jesus said terrifying things. He said impossible things. Can we go into the beautiful things? Are you saying, yes, please, Carol. (laughs) Enough's enough. Let's just hear some beautiful things. Well, think about some beautiful thing that he said. He said this. He he hauled out an Old Testament scripture, dusted it off, and made it beautiful. And he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a moment. What would the world look like if everyone loved their neighbor as themselves? It would be the end of war, it would be the end of famine, it would be the end of slavery. It would be the end of injustice. It would be the end of any kind of disparity in society between the rich and the poor. The world would be a completely different place. He said beautiful things. He said this. He said, blessed are the meek. Do you remember in Matthew 5? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I just want to be meek. I mean, I want the earth. I don't know how how about you. But I mean, imagine that meek people... This is what he's saying. Not the powerful, not those who dominate people, not those who take over and oppress others. It's the meek who inherit the earth. It's the meek who get it all. You know what? uh, There have been times when I have meekly gone onto the internet to purchase that kitchen appliance that I've always wanted. Are you with me? You've done it meekly too. And you have looked at the advert and there they have told you the great benefits of this appliance. They have told you how fantastic it is, all these incredible things it will do, what it will chop, what it will mix, what it will create, and how it will make you look like a diva in the kitchen. You've all meekly looked at those adverts. You've looked at another one. You've looked at a shirt, a motorbike, whatever. You've looked meekly. And then you have parted with good, healthy money meekly. And then sometime later the appliance has arrived at your house. You've plugged it into the kitchen. Not always this happens, but it's happened to me s- a few times. You've plugged it in meekly, in compliance with all the wonderful things you read on that advert. You've got it going and and then a spring flies out this way, food comes out the bottom and it falls over dead. Have you all ex- had that experience somewhere? Some of you, at me, blankly, you just haven't done enough internet shopping. (laughs) At some stage, at some stage, this will happen. And you know, my temptation at that moment is to pick up that appliance, find the person who invented that advert, and ram it down their throat. But, meekly, I've simply turned and said, I'm meek, I'm going to inherit the earth, what are you getting? (laughs) In other words... (laughs) My friend, there's, there's a reward. There's a reward for us, for our, our faith in Jesus Christ. There's a, war, a reward for our kindness. There's a reward for being a good person that maybe you won't see around you, but it's coming. How beautiful is that? It means that every time you turn the other cheek, every time you answer with a soft word, every time you love when, when it's unprecedented to love, there's a reward on the way, and it's big, and it's great, and it's grand, and everyone will see. And everyone will see. Yes. But those are not the beautiful things I want to talk about. Those are beautiful things. There's one particular scripture that thrills me every time I read it. I just, I just love it. It says this in Luke 12, verse 32. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can you just feel peace settling in your heart? Fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Remember, Jesus was talking to a society who were farmers. They were an agrarian society. They they had flocks. Their livelihood was in their flocks. And he turns to them, and in an endearing way, he says, Fear not, little flock. Can you hear the endearment in his voice? Can you hear the tenderness? This is, this is him getting down next to you and whispering into the heart of the lonely, I'm with you. This is him bending down before they're abused and saying, I'll make it right. This is him taking a moment with the hopeless and whispering into their hearts. Your future is filled with good things. Trust me. This is Jesus Christ stepping down into your world with tenderness, dealing with the issues and making a way forward for you. Fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom not to give you a new set of roses not to give you a new power tool to give you the kingdom i mean it's big As I said in the previous verse I was talking about, it's big, it's expansive, it's beyond your wildest imagination. It is good pleasure. He's not doing it grudgingly, he's doing it with joy. It's like he cannot wait to give you the kingdom. He cannot wait to give you all of his power. He cannot wait to give you all of who he is, all his majesty, all his truth, all his righteousness. He cannot wait, it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We've just finished the series on Exodus And you will remember right here at the beginning we talked about this, but can you imagine with me for a moment, you're Israel stuck in slavery, waiting for the deliverance of God. What does a nation who's been enslaved for 400 years, what do they dream about? When Moses came to them and said, God is going to liberate you, what picture did they put in their mind? What did liberation look like to them? I want to propose to you that it, it may have looked like, oh wow, God is going to make us into successful people. The only successful people we know are the Egyptians. That means when God liberates us, we are going to stand as the strong ones over other nations. We're going to bring people in to build us great monuments. We are going to use the people around us to make us look good. Could that perhaps have been their dreams? Because indeed, that was all they knew. When they thought about success, were they dreaming dysfunctional dreams? And I, when I hear this thing, when God says, it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom, my question has got to be for you. What, is that, what picture does that evoke in your mind? Are we dreaming dysfunctional dreams? Are the dreams you have for your life so much less than what God has co- is coming to give you? Are you asking for a spouse when God wants to give you a destiny? Are you asking for a job when God wants to give you influence? Are you asking for money when God wants to give you authority? He wants to give you authority to create wealth so that so many other people will be lifted out of poverty. What if The dreams we dream for our future are dysfunctional because that's all we've known. And when Jesus comes and whispers in your ear, do not fear, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let it it cause great pictures to come into your mind. Can you ask God, Lord, lift up my eyes, lift up my understanding that I won't dream dysfunctional dreams, but I would dream the dreams I would dream the dreams of heaven. Jesus, the word himself, said beautiful things. He said impossible things and he said terrifying things. All these things lead us to the eternal and now life that our souls crave. We can look At the beautiful things Jesus said, we can look at the impossible things that Jesus said, we can look at the terrifying things that Jesus said, and we can engage with them as God's message to us, leading us to life. Leading to us to life. We can allow the impossible things and the terrifying things to impact our souls and change us. We can allow ourselves to submit to a new normal because we are confident that there is a God who is leading, there is a God who's changing us so that we would be fit for eternal life, so that we would have the dreams that He dreams for us, not the dreams we have dreamt for ourselves. Amen. So, Father. As we close, I pray for each and every person here. Lord God, I ask. I ask that you would come upon them. Lord God, there, is, there are so many people here, Lord. That they've been scraping for the breadcrumbs under the table. And God is inviting them to feast. Feast beside him. He's inviting you to be a part of all the joy the life and the power that he is He's inviting you out of terror, into peace. he's inviting you out of impossibility into nothing is impossible and he's inviting you into the beauty of his words that they would live within inside they would live within you they would create a life within you because Jesus wasn't speaking, he was releasing life. Love has a voice, and his name is Jesus. Peace has a voice, and his name is Jesus. Righteousness has a voice, and his name is Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for everyone here that that their hearts would be filled with the revelation of who Christ is. I want to give an opportunity, and if you hear and you know you're driving a 2005 Ford Focus without the engine in. And you've been trying to get your life better. But the first ti- for the first time, or maybe it's not even the first time, but, but it's dawned on you that Jesus is not asking you to make your life better. He's asking you to surrender. He's asking you to come in for an overhaul. He's inviting you in for a new engine, new life that he could breathe again into you, that you would become a new person. And if that's you and you want to make that change, I'd love us all to pray this prayer together. You just pray this out loud with everyone. Can we all pray this, church? Lord Jesus, I come to you and I surrender my life. I give all of who I am to you in order to receive all of who you are. Thank you for going through the eye of the needle on my behalf that I might have eternal life. I acknowledge you as Lord and I receive you as my Savior in Jesus name. Amen. Lastly I want to pray I want to pray for people here Thank you just you feel like you've been dis- dreaming dysfunctional dreams. As I'm speaking, you, you're thinking, oh, my word, I just need to think bigger. I need, I need more of God's plan for my life. And you just want that. You just want a clearer understanding of what God has for you. Won't you just lift your hands up? I'd like to pray for you. If you just want a bigger understanding of who God is and what he's doing in your life, just raise your hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord God, every hand raised. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you give them dreams, visions, understandings of what you're doing in their life? Lord God, right now, I pray over each of these people, Lord God, and I ask, Lord God, that you would would crack the sky for them. Uh, We know you've cracked the sky for humanity, but I ask that you crack the sky for them. That you would come down into their world and you would speak truth. You would speak your ways. You would speak your heart. Lord God, you would let them see from your vantage point. You would lift up their eyes. You would speak to their hearts, Lord God, and they would see as you see for their lives and for their surroundings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My friends, do you have a song? Do you have a song to close with? Amen, that's great. Can we stand? Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a glorious, glorious day. May the Lord go with you. May his words dwell richly in you and may you speak them on every occasion. God bless you. See you on Christmas.